Hey guys, this is Diana Michelle, and you're watching Three Count Podcast. Now entering the ring, I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. You know, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. You could call me your Sherpa, but like every good Sherpa, you need to have someone who has been there, done that, and can show you how to get up there more efficiently. So it's never about me, it's about who's entering the ring. This person can be found on GTS. You can find this person on SWF. G. Uh, HWT, Camp Fleet Frog. You can find that at TCW, ECWA, CZW, and PWAD. This is one of the hardest working men in all of wrestling entertainment or wrestling or even celebrity <laughs> boxing. You can find there this man. Go. He is Josh Adams, aka Violence. Yeah. Oh, I should be holding the mask right now. No, I don't know. <laughs> man, first, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Bro, I'm so I'm so hyped because like we met um at HWT and I like I saw them I saw the whole get up and I was like I gotta bring this man on because <laughs> he's been in the business for a long time. He's just definitely someone that you could just gravitate to and ask a lot of questions and just like get a better understanding of like the sport. So why not? Yeah. You know, there was a long time, though. There was a number of years where violence didn't talk in the locker room in that show. So you might have been like, hey, he's probably not a good guy to have on a podcast. <laughs> but that, that, all had, that all had to change a few months ago when Celebrity Boxing Live on pay-per-view sticks a microphone in front of you and says, hey, cut this interview. And you go, oh, shit, I guess. <laughs> but, no, I, I get it, though, man. But, yeah, I was just appreciative that you were like, hey, let's, you know, you're like, yeah, let's get in. Let's talk to him and see what's up. Yeah. So I'm curious, man, like, how did you get into the sport? Uh, the sport of professional wrestling. Yes. Well, I, I grew up watching it. Uh, you know, I was born in 1984. Um, so throughout the, the, the WWF boom in the late 80s and the early 90s and all of that, I followed it. Uh, I never stopped watching it. You know, I was a kid that went from Hulk Hogan being my guy and Randy Savage being my guy to Ultimate Warrior being my guy to Bret Hart being my guy to Shawn Michaels being my guy. I lived through all of that. Um, and then in 2007, I saw an article in the local press that there was a school in Egg Harbor City called Force One Pro. And I called the phone number attached to it. And I was there the next day, the same week. I, I could be off a day or two, but I, I, I was there. And I've never looked back. Um, that, that's the story as far as how I walked in the door. You know, how I've stuck through for 14 years is a lot of other stories. <laughs> well, I've noticed that you've had quite the adventure of just like being in and out. And it's cool because I'm actually, I was born in 85. So like, I'm just right behind you but like I'm relatively new because I, I've had twists and turns go left and right all over the place so I never had the ability to just like jump into into this world until I actually got out of the military and fully was able to serve my submerge myself into this um but I'm curious man because you've been through for 14 years you've probably got a couple good stories so I need to know like what's been your worst bump my worst bump oh man it's probably it's it's got to be the first time I got concussed in the middle of a match because I've never felt that sensation before. And when you read about after the fact, like I'm pretty sure it was a fucking mild concussion. Uh, this was this was like uh, late 2012 or early 2013. I'm working for NWA Coastal and we're in I believe we were in Hamilton, New Jersey. And there was one of them spots where, like, the uh, one guy's got you by the waist, the other guy's going to do a sunset flip, and once he sunset flips the other guy, that guy, German suplexes you. And this video's online. It's on a site called Daily Motion. It's kind of like YouTube. And, man, it's not like I'm not well-trained and a very proficient wrestler, but, man, the, the, the momentum. I ate shit on the back of my head, and I'm fucked up afterwards. Luckily, it's a four-way, so there's other people doing shit, but you can see me. I'm in the corner. I'm fucked up, but I still get up and finish the match. I still had to take other bumps and do other shit, but um, 
Yeah, that bump sucked. I mean, I feel like I've taken other bumps since then that sucked, but that one being the first time it happened like that was kind of scary, you know, where you you really see stars and you can't just get right up afterwards. You're like, whoa, this 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 isn't right. This isn't how this is supposed to feel. No, I fully understand. I know I've had those moments where like you start somewhere and then you end somewhere, but you don't know how you got from point a to point b you just know you arrived at point b but and like, all, all superplex bumps suck so i'll throw that in there too i don't give a shit what year it was if i do a superplex it sucks <laughs> <laughs> come on now that thing we're landing on isn't fun it sucks it's it's painful yeah. i like i like the often rumor where people are like it's just a giant spring underneath i'm like no it's no. it's not it's yeah most companies don't have a spring under the ring. The first place I ever worked at, there was a spring in the middle, but that spring ain't fucking doing much. Maybe if you weigh 350, but past that, it's, it's not, it ain't helping you. You know, I mean, you're eating shit on something that is not natural for us to land on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And then you're trying to train yourself to land on it as best as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's like when I see guys nowadays and, and they, they come in the locker room at the early part of the show and they, they, they want to critique the ring. They want to, oh, man, it's a stiff bump out there. I want to be like, they're all stiff fucking bump. You're not giving me any special information. Like, stop acting like you got some insider knowledge because you went out there and took a fucking bump in there. Like, it all sucks. Some suck more than others, but it all sucks. And if you're not already aware of that, I don't know why you're in the locker room. That means you haven't spent enough time in a ring. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's even, even the WWE ring where they got all them billions of dollars, the bump in their ring still sucks too. So it's like, how good do you expect it to get? You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I remember cause like, uh, it was something that like my trainer had told me he was just like every ring is going to feel different every ring is going to bump different every ring is going to you know the ropes are going to be different and yeah. i forget i forget where i was um but i was like i was like, I, I believed him right but it was just my mindset was different for some reason at another spot and i remember like reaching back to hit the ropes and the ropes were lower the top rope right. was down and so when yeah. i hit like i get, got whiplash on my neck and i was like oh no, that's not good. <laughs> like, we're going yeah. to get down and get into this rope. I was like, I didn't yeah. see that coming. <laughs> I, uh, I always give the ring a little kind of a little test field before the show starts. Even it might, I'll walk out there in gimmick, but I'll grab the ropes. I'll see how the tension is. Uh, I'll smack the mat. I'll see how that feels. I'll smack a turnbuckle and see how much give does that have? How much padding is in this turnbuckle between the turnbuckle when that fucking shit ton of hard metal that is the two ropes being hooked together um but when you get in the ring before the bell rings like that's your opportunity to kind of just lean into them a little and kind of have a moment to you know kind of know what you're dealing with but i just i go into every match knowing that the ropes and the bump sucks and it just comes with the territory it's like getting tattoos you know i got plenty of them uh getting tattoos sucks but you want to do it, so you live through it, but it ain't fun. It's not something you recommend doing for your, you know, for recreational purposes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll I, be honest, man. I remember the first tattoo I got, I was like, I was nervous. And then, like, after I got the first one, I was like, dude, I'm going to do this over and over. And, and then I stopped at six. But I I intend on getting more. It's just, it, you're right. Like, the you get nervous right before you do it. But then it's like, once you're like in, you're just like, whatever, you just ride the train out. And I feel like it sounds like it, it sucks still. But after like the second or third bump, like, I'm like, whatever, let's just, we're going to keep doing this and just keep knocking it out of the park. Yeah. It, it, it's like wrestling, though. It's like literally, I had someone earlier today and they're like, oh, so it's like the, the, the fake wrestling you do. And I said, Listen, just because I let you know ahead of time that I'm going to club you in the fucking chest really hard and then slam you on your back on this hard mat, it's not going to make it any better for you. You just knew it was coming, you know? So uh, 
I said, that's fake's not the word to use. You just know it's going to happen. It comes with the territory. And it's just like I said, same with a tattoo, same with getting the ring anytime. Like, you know what you're getting into. If yep. you don't know what you're getting into, why the hell are you here? And who booked you? <laughs> Yo, that's such, such a true statement. So I'm curious, man, you know, we probably all have them. And I know you do being in the business for a while. I need to know, like, what's been the hardest you've been hit? You know, when, when, when you're a young guy in the business, especially when I got in, uh, I feel like I'm part of the last group of people who were trained by true old school guys, guys that came up in the 80s and the 90s. I was trained by when you get in the business in 2007. A lot of the newer generation is trained by a guy that's more a part of their group, their scene, their culture, their era, their age group. And that's cool, but at the same time, like, I'm a 22-year-old guy, and these are grown-ass men that came up in a different era that have seen some shit before the business changed a lot. And it was still the era where it's like, all right, we're going to make um, the calisthenics at your training so hard that we want to see if you quit. You know, day one, I've got a guy on my shoulders that i got to do squats with. You know, they it was still when there was a chop night where all the trainers are going to chop the fuck out of you and you're going to go home with a look like you got a purple tattoo on your chest. So I made it through that boot camp style tra- old school training. Um, and that sucked a lot. But honestly, once I was released into the wild, you could say some of the suckier strikes and times I've gotten hit have been when guys form you. But their aim sucks and they catch you behind the ear so they concuss you a little bit. It's like a mild fucking quick, you know what I mean? Um, And the problem is, hey, man, we're eight seconds into this match or 30 seconds in this match. And I'm already seeing stars from your first basic strike you hit me with, you know. So that's why being a uh, I like to take the Bret Hart quote, but being an excellence of execution in our business matters. You know, if you're. If your first basic strike is half concussing me, we have a problem because we have a lot more we have to do. No, I, I, I like that a lot, man. And that is, yeah. that's, that's such a great point. Like, you know, especially with someone like Bret Hart, where like everything was about, everything had a place, everything was technical. And even like when you hit somebody, you weren't laying it in. You know, yeah. I, I hear that a lot. Like a lot of people are like, you know, when you lay your strikes in, you got to really lay them in. I'm like, no, no, no. I will work snug. I'm not looking to just knock you the fuck out. Like, that don't make yeah. sense. And, and it's where you hit them. If you, if you watch enough of my matches, I club people in the chest where I can hit them extremely hard. And it's extremely convincing. There's no, there's no shenanigans behind it. There's no magic. Um, but he's not going to be concussed by it. I can club him in the back really hard. He's not going to be concussed by it. I give him the open hand shots to the stomach, the chest, the arms, whatever is exposed. It's going to get a reaction. I'm clearly hitting him, but he won't be concussed. He can keep his whereabouts and continue with the job we have to do. I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't really pay attention to is that this is like, it, it's a fun job, but it's a job like, and you, you're, job is not to injure somebody your job is to make sure you get the crowd to right. want to come back and see you and right fucking up the first person that you're in a match with with some crowd that probably hasn't seen you before that's probably not the best mark yeah uh i i think the problem with the modern era of wrestling and i'm not saying i'm the coolest guy i don't hold a candle to the rock or stone cold or hulk hogan or john Cena or any of them people but there's not enough cool people in the business And when they're not really that fucking cool, regardless of how they look, how they talk, everything, all of that, when they don't have that under control, they think that they have to just like hit people really hard in front of the audience. And that's what's going to get them over. And I think people fall back on the whole, I'm sorry, it was an accident whole mentality. So it's like, you can dump a fucking dude on his head. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, like oh, well, like, no, it didn't have to be like that, dude. The whole time I grew up watching pro wrestling, like, every fucking week for years, like, nobody got hurt. When Stone Cold got dumped on his head at SummerSlam 97, that was like, oh, shit, somebody actually got hurt. 
Nowadays, it's a regular thing, whether they're in the WWE or they're just on an indie circuit like we are. And people are just fucking sloppy. And it's just like, we're not focusing on being cool and being an attraction to the consumer to where we don't have to do this crazy risky shit to entertain them. It's like, I'm a fucking dork. No one cares about me, but Hey, I'm going to do 40 flips and I'm going to dump my opponent on his head on the apron. And I hope that you think I'm cool. That's not how this works. And that's why we have people injured all the time. And it's a shame when dudes don't even make good money and they're getting the same injuries that guys in the WWE at least have a lot more money to, you know, put forth their medical bills. It's a problem. I've never hurt anybody on that level. And I've never been hurt on that level because I say no a lot. When you want to do some dumb shit to me that isn't even the finish of the match, I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. You know, it's... you're No, you're absolutely on point. Like, that is... Yeah. Uh... That's spot on. So I'm curious, man, because, you know, we're even talking about this, man. So I'm curious, like, what's been one of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn, like, in the sport? It goes kind of hand in hand with what I was just talking about. You know, I wrestled for 11 years before I became violence and I created that character and put on that mask. So for 11 years, I busted my ass. I was still a guy that always was in shape. Always hitting the gym, always in the ring training, never rusty, was going to fucking put his all into every match he had, but I'm not an attraction. If it was the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, I would be an attraction with how I looked and carried myself. But in the modern era, not an attraction, not putting asses in seats the same. Um, So it was a hard lesson to go from 11 years of being just a really good wrestler And within the first year of it being violence, I'm in more main events than ever. I'm on more posters than ever. I'm selling more merch than ever. I'm taking more pictures with fans than ever. All of that, all of that just flowed in and you're like, fuck, like, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, and it's just, I tell guys all the time, don't be afraid to try something new. This thing you're doing that I see you do month after month, that's not really getting over Like, you don't have to keep doing it. There's no one forcing you to do that. You can come do something new, you know, try shit. Don't be scared because uh, it worked for me. I mean, it's what a turnaround, Um, you know, being violence is so fun. The way I interact with the fans and the kids, that's that shit is so much cooler than anything I do in the ring. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the one thing, like I noticed, like instantly it was like, you know the yeah the jean jacket you have the chains like you you look like a badass but then i mean to be real you also look like you're having lots and lots of fun out there too and that's i think that's what you're right like everybody gravitates to that because you're just you're open and you're just having a lot of fun and i knew like for for me right and mind you like and i we talked about this backstage like i've been in the business for like 19 months so i'm was still i'm still relatively young but i realized that when I was like doing, cause I, I, I do like the whole mercenary aspect. I am former military. Like that's just something that's just going to be with me, but I was being serious and I was so serious and I was forcing it so hard. And I was like, I'm not having fun doing this. And my trainer was like, well, what do you like to do? I was like, I like to talk shit. That's what I want to do. And he's like, like Deadpool. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, so start doing it. And I was just like, what? He's like, who's telling you you can't do it and I was like no one and then I just yeah then I started running with it but but what could be contradicting is wearing the military stuff to where it looks like you want to be a sympathetic baby face and then talking shit so you may have to ditch despite it being a significant part of your life for what we're doing what we do it may not work but you know what I was going to say when you've mentioned the whole mercenary thing there's a guy that wrestles with me at titan championship wrestling and that's his name his name is Merck. you know like he and he is ex-military as well you guys should be a fucking tag team yeah i just met Merck actually yeah. just randomly at uh at outbreak actually okay uh i didn't get a chance to actually like talk to him and stuff i but i know of him and i've seen him actually uh wrestle a few matches and i was like i'm genuinely like a fan of his and what's funny is 
the and you mentioned uh the fact i was wearing my military gear i only wore it because it was 9-11 otherwise i'm usually right. like i have i have my own tights and stuff like that but i only wear my military gear on like special events so if it's something close to, like the fourth of july you may maybe you'll catch me in my i have a pair of uh camo shorts I, you might catch me in those if it's hot outside i'll obviously wear those because i'm not wearing like full tights and get-ups but right. normally yeah the military gear only comes out like if it's you know hey it's memorial day weekend cool i'll wear it fourth of july i'll wear it 9 11 i'll wear it any other time it's usually the black and red tights that i have that i like to rock out with so here's the thing with that you know what's really important like we're not on tv every week this isn't like the syndicated wwe wwf wcw era of television where a lot of the same audience sees you every week i feel in independent wrestling we have to go in there with the mentality that we're walking in front of an audience cold that no one knows who you are no one's ever seen you so the way you're going to look and present yourself at that moment to them is super crucial you know what i mean so it's like sometimes there's moments where i want to do or wear or be something different but i'm like but they're not going to get it. You know, they're not going to get it. I have to focus on what they're going to get tonight going and, and what's going to help us going forward. I'm torn all the time, man. That's the thing. Like as much as I love putting a mask on and the chain and being crazy, I love just putting on my boots and trunks and my knee pads over my shins. Like I'm Ric Flair and going out there and wrestling, you know, jujitsu and, and, and catch wrestling style. Like I'm so freaking torn. I love both so much but i'm plenty aware which one makes me the make really makes me the money and which one really gets the fans and the kids really involved without me you having to do a single thing in the ring but at heart i'm a wrestler wrestler you know and you bring up a great point and that's something i probably should like pay attention to too is that every time you go somewhere it's somewhere new and you want people to know like exactly who you are because it's something you said you know you have to you have to spoon feed the audience like who yeah. you are and what you're doing and what you're about so it's definitely something i have to uh, out like when i do when because like when i come back to either hwt or even when i was at outbreak like i'll be back in the black and red tights and i'll and i'll definitely have to remember like hey like just because you've been here before they don't know you because I came in with something else and yeah. I like, I like that. I, I like that point. Yeah. So thank you. And I, I mean, I'll keep it as a mental note, but I'm also write it down in my book too, as a, as a reminder. Even, even the next time you're at hostile wrestling takeover, the thing is if they don't run somewhere every week or every month, you're very much likely to have a fresh audience or at least an audience that doesn't remember you enough for it to matter. You know, that's why pro wrestling happens every week on TV. If it didn't, you know what I mean? So when there's a giant gap between shows for a company, unless you're just like constantly pumping out promos and keeping yourself relevant with this character in relation to this company's stories, it's all just lost in the mix. Shit doesn't matter. You know, people will have a, a fucking nine month reign as a champion and they've defended the belt once on the one show that a company ran. So consistency matters, but that's where you have to just go into it like it's fresh every time. You can't assume that they saw you before or anyone there was at the last show or they're going to care if you start cutting a promo about what happened in the last show. You're wasting your time. You just got to focus on blowing their fucking mind the moment they see you. And even if you're a healer face, then moments before the show starts and being dressed as the people come in is important because then you can, you can establish your character and your stance, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, with them then so when your music hits and you walk through the curtain they already know if they like you or not you don't have to even say anything you have already established it with them so hiding behind that curtain all night before you come out that shit don't work for us in the indies we're not the undertaker we're not the rock we don't get you know like they're not going to know what your fucking music is or what any of that stuff is so it's really important that we have a up close interaction with the fans. I think from the moment they arrive in the building till they leave. I like that. See, this is something like I, I've, so when I go back and I talk to my trainer and stuff like that, like these are things that like, I like to hear about. Cause you know, yeah. Cause I hate. And so it's funny because like my trainer and I know a lot of people know is sick and, and like, 
he's okay. Riot City is well established, like through mid, the Mid Atlantic. Like, well, people know him from the New Jersey down all the way down to Virginia, down into Tennessee. Like, people know the Riot City brand, and so he can come out to the Riot City songs, and people know that that's him. And it's something that I'm glad that you like getting to talk about this and kind of like seeing the outside perspective and just thinking like, if you're not out there with the crowd, the crowd doesn't know you, and if you're not. Mm-hmm you know faces need to be faces you got to go out there and interact and be likable and obviously heels got to be heels and they got to you know get the get the crowd to hate them and it's it's cool because it's those little things that you don't you don't realize that you're not doing that would help you get to that next level and i appreciate that yeah you got to be on all night that's what we're there to do you know and when i was interacting with them kids at the hwt show i kept saying to them like listen on monday you got to go back to school you got to go back to regular life and a schedule you don't want to do. But tonight, we're here to get nuts. We're going to live it up tonight. And that's what I want out of the fans. And that's what I give out of myself. Like, I wear myself out more with the way I interact with the fans than any bump I'm going to take in the ring. And that's really what matters because they're going to remember that. And that's why I have fans at the following show. They show up and they've got my merchandise they bought at the last show. They know my name. They're excited to see me. They know that orange mask, you know, that shit stands out. And that's really what matters. And, you know, uh, the word peacocking, I feel like in regular life is someone who's annoying, someone that goes out to the fucking Starbucks and is wearing a ridiculous outfit and is peacocking. But in pro wrestling, you need to do that at all times. That's that's what it's about. So, you know, having an outrageous colored mask and outfit it helps me, uh, you know, if I just had a black mask and a black vest or whatever, it might not stand out that much, but that orange, the blue, the chain, it stands out. And I go out of my way to interact with them fans. If they lock eyes with me, I can see under that mask if I've got their attention. And once I know I do, I give it back to them at always. I never will not address someone that I know is looking at me. Man, I like that so much. And so we got to shift gears really quick, man. I got to ask, man. So I know you've been around, you've been in a lot of shows, but I just need to know after your match, what's your post-match snack, man? Post-match meal. <laughs> uh, it, it's not any one thing, you know, a lot of times, you know how this is like when you got to wrestle or do something very physically vigorous, you're not going to eat as much as you should have. So the day of a show, it's like, I've eaten very little and I've driven a lot. I've taken bumps. I've taken shots. And at that point, I feel like I've earned it. So sometimes when I'm getting back to town, the only thing open at that point of night is Wawa and McDonald's. So if I have a double quarter pounder meal, large with a high C orange or a Coke, well, God damn it, I earned it at that point. You know? <laughs> yes. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, I went home and had romaine lettuce and fucking, you know, grilled chicken with pepper on it like i don't have a diet like that man i'm sorry but on a day like them i earned that fucking meal i earned that mcdonald's <laughs> i like that man i like you know what's crazy i was just talking to a person a friend of mine and we were talking about the mcdonald's secret menu man i don't know if you know but you can get like the monster mac which has no. like five patties to it yeah these were like i didn't know that was a they, got, thing. they got that triple cheeseburger on the value menu and that's cool but huh. i could but like I saw a dude order, I think it was called like the ultimate monster Mac or something like that. It was like eight patties, man. It was just the biggest, grossest, delicious thing I've ever seen on TV. I'm going to have to get that sometime. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, man, that McDonald's French fries and I dip them in that sweet and sour sauce. That sh- that's the good shit. That hits on a different level. It really I've earned it, man. I've earned it. And once you get back to town, like I said, you know, nothing's open but Wawa or McDonald's. And I don't want to get home at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And now I'm pulling shit out and putting pots on the stove and I'm cooking. No, I want to walk right in the house, throw my gear that needs to dry, lay that out and get in front of the TV and eat a meal because I'm fucking starving. So it is what it is, you know, like. It truly is. It yeah. truly is. Yeah. <laughs> so. Being that you've been in the business for 14 years, man, and we've talked about like some of the hardest lessons that we've learned, I just want to know, like, what kind of advice would you give to up and coming wrestlers? I think I've alluded on that's like, I feel like what I want to say right now is some of what I said earlier about that extra attention you give to the fans. Um, 
I, I did a podcast interview a few weeks ago and I was asked the same question. And a lot of it has to do with the way you are perceived by the fans the night of the show. I know that on Facebook, they get to see the curtain pulled back. But that's not every fan that's at the show the night of the show. Um, I think from the moment that they are out front lined up to come in the door to when they get there, you do not want them to see you in your regular ass clothes because a lot of us don't dress that fucking cool. You know what I mean? We're not a UFC fighter showing up to a press conference in a fucking $6,000 three-piece suit. Most guys just look like whatever, and they're hanging out in the corner with the guys that they drove here with, and one of them or two of them might be their opponents that night. Don't let them see that. Don't ever let them see regular you. You get your gear on, even if you're ring crew. That rings up. Get the fuck in the back. Get on. Get your show gear on. So when doors open, those people only see you as you in that character and in the zone and in that gear, all of that. It's all about that presentation at all times. You'll never see violence hanging around a show and I have some jeans on and a hoodie, but I've got the mask on. No, you don't get that because that that's just, it's too regular. You get the whole outfit with the jean jacket, the chain, I'm all wet, I'm pumped up. You get that or you get nothing. I'd rather you see nothing than you see me just like running around in some fucking basketball shorts and a t-shirt, but I've got my mask on. I don't, I've never been seen like that. Um, even at celebrity boxing, dude, it's a trip when I show up to these like press conferences at like the showboat in Atlantic city and all these guys just have, you know, fucking jeans and a t-shirt on. And I show up in that ridiculous outfit. I say ridiculous. Cause in that setting, it almost is ridiculous, but I kill it. You know, the people in attendance, like I'm going to draw their attention. Like it's, They've come for an attraction. They've come for, I'm just going to use the word shit show. They've come for that. They don't want to see a bunch of dudes in just, you know, some jeans and a t-shirt and a hat. Like they, that's, you know, like it's whatever. Yeah. So that's my best advice to guys is stop being so regular. Stop doing the same moves everybody do. Stop slapping your leg in the ring in front of everybody you know, just focus on the fans and focus on covering up all the holes in our business that show that you're not aggressively trying to win this match and beat that guy. Don't let your game be a fucking slice of Swiss cheese with all these holes in it. Fill them shits in. You know what I mean? Be a slice of sharp provolone and fucking no holes. It always looks like you are trying to annihilate that guy and win this match. That's all you have to present to that audience. No, I like that a lot. And it's funny because you mentioned like celebrity boxing and the fact that, you know, violence is there and that yeah. you're an attraction. But the funny thing is, is when you look at when you look, OK, so let's prime example, we use the UFC. If you've ever talked to Colby Covington behind the camera, he is right. the most like humble, like self-talking dude, just yeah. very, very casual. The moment that camera turns on, he is the biggest asshole ever yeah. and you yeah. want to see him get his jaw broken like it was by Usman but yeah. it's you have to watch him and it's the same way with Conor McGregor Floyd Floyd Mayweather was cool but money Mayweather was who people watched right and it's you're you're absolutely on yeah. point like you, you have know, to stand out you you, I, you hear stories a lot about Colby Covington that he was even though he wasn't losing all his fights, he wasn't a draw. So he was on the verge of being released. And when he had that fight with Damian Maya in Brazil, he wins that fight. And then he just starts dogging the Brazilian people. And then that's where that shit went. He went, Oh, this went good. Now I'm making headlines. And he followed it up from that point. And now this guy, with the exception of a barn burner with Usman and getting his jaw broken, he bangs the fuck out and he wins all the time past that. They got that rematch coming up. That's uh. What is that, November's card, I think? Yeah, it's in November. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I watch all, dude, I watch all UFC. Like, I can talk about that all day. I get more excited for UFC pay-per-views than any fucking WWE pay-per-view. By oh, far. Yeah. By far. And it's been like that for years, you know? So yeah, up, until, up until 2020, I had watched every single UFC event to date. And okay. so as far as like, we could talk at post show, we could talk UFC all day. 
but current i have to get back into it because like during 2020 obviously like things were kind of dead stopped and the ufc wasn't really kind of getting into it yet and once they started like building back up i started to find myself getting rewrapped into it but i started looking for other things because i like max holloway max holloway is my favorite fighter currently the blessed one he's just amazing and such a humble guy and i lived in hawaii for five years and I just, I found yeah. myself attracted to people from Hawaii. I love watching their fights. But the thing about him is that he's, he, he's the exception to the rule of he's a nice guy, right? But every other person I go to watch is usually somebody who's talking shit. Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, Colby Covington, Conor McGregor, uh, Anderson Silva for a while there was always talking trash. Like these guys were just out there putting on a show. And I found myself attracted to those dudes, even though, technically guys like gsp like i was always wrapped up in because he's just there's no holes in his game right right so yeah and if there was a hole he filled it and then came back and beat you with that with that game so it's i can i can sit back and talk about and see all the movements but it's always the characters that always draw me like you know ronda rousey was the same way ronda yeah. she she was great at doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and getting into judo but her her talking ability was what drew me into watching her for for like yeah. MMA. You know, in 2009, I started the process. Like I put on some size, uh, I buzzed in my head, and I started wearing like um, like real tight um, biker style shorts. And I'm wearing MMA gloves, and I've got the kick pads and a lot of. The size I wanted to get to and what I wanted to be was GSP was my, he was my influence. And I, he, you know, he fought a welterweight at 170. And at the time I was like 160 and I was like, I want to get to 170. I want to be that welterweight size. I would be like GSP. And that, you know, that was my shit. But um, uh, as far as Max Holloway, like, you know, the guy that took the title from him, Volkanovsky, he just defended the title on Saturday at the UFC pay-per-view. And I mean, that guy's killing it. It's just even though he's killing it, he's missing a certain ingredient to make him a big draw. He's not, he's not, he's not an entertaining shit talker. And he's just, you know, he, he's incredibly skilled, but it's like, that's what I mean. Like with Josh Adams, Josh Adams is incredibly skilled. It only goes so far violence, even though under the mask, I'm incredibly skilled. I only do fucking five moves as that character. You know what I mean? But it just, it gets over and it's like, even these guys that talk all this shit, they haven't been that successful in recent years. Connor's lost more than he's won in the last six years, you know, but it fucking, it works, man. Like you, you know, you just, dude, man, people want, people want to be entertained. If you can't even like draw their attention and talk them in the building, then yeah, then the fight doesn't matter. But even when he loses, like Connor's still talking shit. Like, he yeah. he fought Floyd Mayweather and in a match, okay, in a boxing match that should have never happened. And let's be real, we're talking about the greatest of all time fighting Conor McGregor, and it's his first professional bout, and it should have never happened. But because of all the talking that Conor was doing, even after losing in the UFC, he was just talking trash. Finally, the you know they UFC came into it and was like, hey, we'll figure this out. And then Conor makes the biggest payday that he's ever had in a yeah. fight with something that should have and on on paper should have never even happened and right. credits to him like you said it was a great great character work like he that, that would that was the start of all of this like it's it's kind of like what's going on right now with triller it's like that was the start of this kind of mismatched celebrity boxing you know fucking sort of thing going on but nobody hung with somebody as good as connor did with floyd and i remember watching that fight live and connor was putting a pressure on him in them first couple of rounds. And I was like, holy shit, if this dude fucking drops Floyd Mayweather right now, the boxing industry is just so fucking done. But he still landed more strikes on Floyd than any of Floyd's opponents, I think, in history. Like, you know, there's a difference between, like, what is it, a couple of weeks ago, Evander Holyfield fought fucking, uh, god damn it, what was his name, from UFC. Uh, I'm, I don't know who you're talking about. I just can't remember off. It's going to bother me that, I, that his name ain't come to my mind right now because I hardcore watch this stuff. But, you know, it's like you got people where, like, their performances are really bad. Without question, it's not a good night. Regardless of the training they put in, the performance doesn't end up good. But Connor, 
putting it on Floyd for a few rounds until he got gassed out. But it was some shit, man. That was and that the pay-per-view buys on that. I don't think anything's topped that since. That was that was something else, man. Yeah. Oh, it was Vitor Belfort. That's who it was. Yes. That's I'm so bothered I can remember his name right now as if I don't haven't watched a million of his fights. <laughs> well, and and yeah, it's just it's crazy, and especially in this world right now, like everything. It's funny. This is a wrestling paper, uh, wrestling podcast. We talk about MMA, but it is. It, um, is, it goes back to like that character side that you're talking about. Like people get attracted to characters. They don't. They don't like. They do. Certain people they care about that are like, hey, like I'm that that good wholesome character that that generic wrestler that you create on like 2K. But then yeah. they're really attracted to those guys who are like your Gangrels or your Undertakers or your Stone Colds or right. that bigger, that larger than life persona. Like you get attracted to that guy. Cause yeah. And that's kind of like, what that's kind of like the brain Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan thing. He's kind of just like, you know, he's that regular guy and he addresses you in a very regular fashion and they get behind that for sure. Um, I feel like what I have going on, it's not like it was my influence for it, but it's been showcased recently, so I'm going to mention it, like Finn Balor and the Demon. That's yeah. kind of what you get with Josh Adams and violence. It's like Josh Adams just wants to come and have an upstanding exhibition of grappling skills. And if you fuck with him or you want to cheat or you want to do things, well, then violence is going to come and stomp you out. You know what I mean? So it's like you pick your poison, one or the other. But uh, uh, it's, yeah, man, it's like connecting with the audience you can never always predict you know I like who would who would have thought like if you grew up watching John Cena and you look at John Cena in 2003 2004 where he's just like the rapper guy and he's wearing jerseys to the ring and he's got his big thick chain and his thug life who would have thought that that was gonna be the guy not just <laughs> the guy but let's let's face it he really is right you have to call him the greatest ever when it comes to selling tickets winning titles you know his run of selling tickets and main event and selling out buildings is like two and three times as long as the tenure of hogan's or rocks or stone cold you know them guys were hot for like three or four years you know for one run that dude was hot for like 13 years or something ridiculous like that it's fucking nuts it is it's it's super crazy man yeah that's really kind of like all like the big heavy hearting questions. Actually, I do have one. So you've been in a lot of different locker rooms. I really need to know this. I need one do and one don't of the locker room. Hmm. I mean, we're all taught when we get in the business, Oh, you got to go, you got to shake everybody's hand. You know what I mean? And depending how hard you shake it determines what kind of work you are. There's all that bullshit. The thing is, no, everybody's just a regular dude in the locker room. Like nobody wants to be talking to someone in the corner and there's some dude that walks up to them and awkwardly stands fucking next to them for two and a half minutes until you end your conversation just so you can go, oh, hey, what's up, you know, and walk away. Like, don't be a fucking nerd. It's really unnecessary. When the time is right, shake their hand or just give them, you know, as men and adults, we see a dude out public, we give them the fucking nod. Hey, what's up, man? You know what I mean? Like, I'm clearly addressing you, but everything doesn't have to always be that. Like, you're just, it's a little extra and weird. Um, I guess that's a don't. As far as the thing I think guys should do in locker rooms is I think more people should be getting warmed up more and ready for their match. Like, I do a full fucking gym workout almost in the locker room before I walk out there, and I get wet, and I really get in the zone. I think too many people, they just kind of get dressed, and then they're just sitting around, lingering around. They're they're dilly-dallying. They're fucking talking to people, but they're not getting warmed up. They walk through that curtain. They're not warmed up. They're dry. They're By the time they're maybe getting in the zone, the match is over. You know, like, get your heart rate going. Like, get be fucking fired up when you walk through that curtain. I think everyone's just sitting around and you're just like, dude, really? You know, but like you can tell when they come through the curtain and they've just been sitting around. I I feel like you can sort of tell, you can see how open someone is and how timid they are because they've just been sitting on their folding chair in the locker room for the last 45 minutes. Um, 
Yeah, but yeah, and the handshake shit, it's just like, it's weird. It's got to, you know, like if somebody walked by me and they clearly gave me some young guy in the business and he gave me a clear apparent nod, hey, we, we know we saw each other. What's up? I'm cool with that. I don't feel like I need every guy who hasn't been in the business for 14 years to come shake my hand and introduce himself or whatever. Like, I don't need all that. It's all fucking extra and weird. It's like, it's something that guys hang on to instead of focusing on other, I think, more important pressing issues. No, I like that. Well, those are my heavy hitting questions. And we even got into, you guys even got like the cool special behind the scenes for a mixed martial arts talk that you know you probably didn't expect but we do got to get into the second best segment of this podcast which is the three count podcast 10 count questions and if i told you that was the second best people ask me was the first it's the red dogs power rankings that you can find every sunday on our live debate show so you can check that out but mr adams this is how it works i'm gonna fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast whatever's your first answer that's your answer (laughs) okay so Let's put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. And Ooh, here man. we go. Smackdown or Raw? Ooh. Uh, man. Oh, that's tough. Like, I'm digging the Bobby Lashley shit, but I'm thinking, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say actually Raw right now. Okay. Usually I say Smackdown. I'm saying Raw right now. <laughs> Favorite movie? Ooh. Oh. Uh, an American Werewolf in London. I love it. Spawn or Kratos? Spawn. <laughs> Favorite color? Oh, I guess I feel like I have to just say orange because it's violence, right? You know. <laughs> Marvel or DC? <sighs> Man, that's tough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Marvel. I think they have more properties, and it's just you know it's hard to compete. Favorite place to perform? Man, oh, dude, you're, uh, there's no quick answer to that when I've been doing this as long as I have. You got buildings where you wrestled in it every week, and it might not have been the biggest crowd, but they were invested. They came every week. They were hot, you know, and then, like, like, look, the guy we worked for, that guy Dan McGee that we worked for for Hostile Wrestling, he used to run Crossroads Wrestling, and they would run in a town called Riverside, New Jersey, and they would pack this place out, and the acoustics of this building, it was You'd think there was fucking 10,000 people there. It was, if you were doing your job, man, it was so loud and rocking. And that's all we can ask for as performers is that you give us a building with a crowd and then people are hot and excited and they feed off of what we do. You know what I mean? And it was, it's fucking awesome, man. That's all you want. You know, I don't give a shit about these crowds that are just a bunch of 30 some year old dudes that want to fucking tweet about what they're seeing. I don't give a shit about you, man. Honestly, like I want them kids in that family and I want to hear them yelling and screaming the whole time. All right. So are you a night owl or early bird? I was a night owl for a long time, but now I do electrician work and I'm an early bird. <laughs> All right. Favorite podcast. Um, Every, every day I, I go on YouTube and I listen to uh, sections of Jim Cornette's podcast. And the Joe Rogan podcast. That's definitely been my one and two for many years. I love the Joe Rogan experience. I'm not even going to front that next to this show right here, the Joe Rogan experience is my show. <laughs> but they cover way more topics than Jim Cornette does. I mean, oh, yeah. I, get every, I get everything out of, out of Joe Rogan. Right. Yeah. Uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this show. I feel like it should be someone that was just on the show we just did, but ah, oh, oh, why do you have to do this to me? Um, <laughs> you know what? Why don't you why don't you put Mike Goldstein on there? He is he is on the list of people to reach out to, and yeah, I and I, I mean that him, like I've known, him, I, known him for a long time. He's come a long way. I didn't think much of him fucking uh, 12 years ago, but he's come a long way. He has. All right. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person who comes on this show, favorite curse word. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. 
I got in trouble like five, six years ago because I, I made a habit of calling dudes a pussy in the ring. So who knows? Maybe that's it. I don't, it, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> is that the, I would always say, is that the best you got, pussy? You know, and then and fucking mush face them. How can I antagonize the shit out of people? Well, those are that's it. That's the three count podcast, ten count questions. So the last thing I need from you, Josh, is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Viral Violence. You want to go on Facebook? You can search Josh Adams. You can search Violence. You're gonna find a, you're gonna find a profile picture with a dude with a crazy mask and a chain, and you know that's me. But uh, I don't do the Instagram. I'm not a I'm not an attractive girl. I feel like I don't know what I would do with Instagram. <laughs> But make sure you can see me Saturday, November 6th at the showboat in Atlantic City on pay-per-view for Celebrity Boxing, putting the gloves on again. Bet. I'm going to have to go check that out, too. I ain't going to front. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. I'll maybe not be there live, but I'll be there watching. It's expensive watching. to be there live. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like they, I'm finally, you know, I'm doing things in my hometown, but good God, the tickets are expensive. I can't, I can't. Hey, yeah, everybody come see it. No, I don't know. Yeah, but no, it's man. It's on fight pay per view. So yeah. Yeah. Well, there you guys have it. So what does this mean? Well, you know what it means. It's time to go home because we got to take to this finish. And this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering Ring. And like I said at the top of the show, I'm your host, the Sherpa, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have that person who has been there, done that, and can show you a more efficient way to get there. So it's never about me. It's about who is entering the ring. And today you see him right there, Josh. Adams, a.k.a. Violence, you guys know what to do. Don't shake your cameras. Don't drop them. But you guys know what to do. Tune into the next episode and be there, or you just wait till this episode ends. You wait for this outro, and then you choose another episode to listen to. That's right. That's the right thing to do. Peace. Thank you, man. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the three count underscore pod. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the three count pod. Give us a like, give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn the notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys. And we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show some support, please.